Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Bree Picari. Uh, Bree is a front-end developer at the brand experience studio, The Infantry. At The Infantry, Bree works with the digital team to conceptualize, design, and develop user-friendly web experiences, as well as staying on top of the ever-changing world of development. Prior to joining The Infantry team, Bree worked at Pledgeit and ListTrack and gained valuable experience through internships with Innovat and White Good. Bree also serves as president of AIGA Central Pennsylvania and teaches front-end development courses with Girl Develop It. Bree graduated from Miller's University with a degree in art with a concentration in graphic and interactive design. When not attending meetups and being completely immersed in the local design scene and tech community, you can often find Bree wrangling her two cats, baking cupcakes, antiquing, practicing yoga, or hiking through nature. Welcome, Bree. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on as a guest today for several different reasons. But the first one has to do with your title at the infantry, developer. I think developer is a loaded word when it comes to interactive design. Can you tell the audience what you specifically do as a developer? Yeah. Um, so at the infantry, as a developer, um, I work mostly with HTML um, CSS, which I write, I well, I write as SAS, which preprocesses the CSS, um, jQuery, JavaScript, and then we also build everything, mo well, most of our websites on WordPress. Um, so there's a tiny bit of PHP in there, um, but it's mostly copy-paste. And then um, when I was at uh, Pledgeit, my title as developer was a little more immersive in the JavaScript world. Um, so it's definitely a title that changes from place to place. Yeah, and, and so that is the, the exact reason why I asked that is because everybody interprets it a little bit differently. Oh, definitely. Like I just watched um, a webinar by a list apart the other mm -hmm. week where they went over like the state of front end development and they had four or five panelists just like all giving their opinions on like what front end development really is right now. And it's no matter who you ask, it's going to be different. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you were given... I'm assuming you were given the title of developer, but is that what you self-identify as? Um, so I self-identify as um, a designer and a front-end developer. Okay. Um, so I guess like my technical title at the infantry is developer, um, but I do I'm so involved in the design process. Um, all the really cool thing about the infantry is that all of us have a design background, no matter what we do. So even like our project managers. Um, the owners of our company, like everyone has a design background and then they kind of have like a, a place like a specialization. So some of our designers are print designers or brand designers. And then in my case, I'm a front end developer. So we tend to go by like our specialization as our title, but all mm -hmm. of us really get involved in the design process and doing all those fun things. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, that's pretty cool. But I just I love that. Um, everybody is a little bit of a designer, but you're like, so you're like those, those, you know, the unicorn <laughs> that you can, cause I've looked at your design work and I think you're, you have very strong design work Thank and you. <laughs> if you're able to pull off, um, the coding side of it, I mean, if you're getting into writing JavaScript and jQuery, um, that's, that's one heck of a range of skill sets. It is. And I've always wanted to be that hybrid because. Like, I remember back in, like, college, like, when I was designing websites, there was, like, you know, like, I, I love designing and I love that process. But, like, even more than that, I love the challenge of making it come to life and making it a real thing that you can use and interact with and play with. And so that thing has just, it's just always stuck with me. And, like, I've just become more and more immersed in front-end development. But I'll never, ever leave, like... The realm of design either <laughs> yeah. so that's interesting i've never actually heard anybody um articulate it that way that so you're not happy with just like doing the static mock-up i mean you want to see this thing work 
Yeah, like I I want to see it work and I want to make it work. Like that challenge of, you know, figuring out the best way to bring it to life with the ever-changing best practices and just accessibility and user experience, all of that tied into it. Like I just want to make it work. <laughs> That's I, I you know, I am I'm kind of sitting here in shock, but that's <laughs> Because, I mean, the reason being is because, A, I've been that way. I've always been that way is I want to see it, you know, it just like somebody, you know, sitting down at letterpress, they're doing it because they want to see a finished product in their hand. Mm-hmm. When I sit down and, you know, mock up a website, I I want to code the thing too. I want to make this thing work. I want it, the performance, I want it to be involved in that whole process. But a lot of the students that I, I teach and I work with, they do they just don't have that <laughs> that yeah. side of it. They're 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 excited to do the mock-ups, um, but when it comes to the coding part, yeah, not so much interested in that. It's definitely. I think it's tough, and I think there's also definitely a level of not fear, but like you know, something about code is kind of intimidating because you, sometimes you just don't know where to start. Or some, like even now, like I've been doing front end development for a few years now, and like when I start a project, sometimes there's like that blank page fear where you're like, okay, now where do I start, and is this the best way to be starting this? And I think as a student, like that fear is kind of like even bigger because this could be your very first project, and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I find it there. There's de- the fear to me is is not so much starting but experimenting yeah yeah that's another thing that i've noticed um i'm still pretty involved with miller's Souls design program especially yeah. being the president of um the local aiga chapter and i talk to students at our portfolio review all the time and they're like a lot of them i think it's just you know kind of figuring out the resources of mm-hmm. like oh it's okay to do this and it's okay to try this and you know, we don't have to do it the same way all the time. And like front end, it has standards, but it doesn't have standards. And I think that's hard for some people because, you know, there's not necessarily a right or wrong way of doing it. Yeah. There are just so many ways that you can build so many things. And that's part that. I mean, that's why I love it. But I can also see why someone else would be like, yeah, that sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I try. I mean, actually, that's pretty funny because that's one thing I, I work with my students on is I like say, I'm showing them what you know what I th- what I perceive as best practices from doing reading and readings and you know staying current. But I also say, does it work? Can you see something on the screen? <laughs> if you can see something, you did it right. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, that really is as simple as it gets. And like, um, so at the infantry, I'm the only in-house developer. So Mm -hmm. it's just me like developing by myself. Um, And then like we have some contractors. But when I was at Pledge It, I had a lead front end developer and we would sit down for hours at a time and pair program. And like, that's how I got a huge foundation um, of, you know, the developer that I am today. And we did code reviews and things like that. Mm -hmm. And like, that helped me grow so much. Like it's boring sometimes but wow does it make you grow (laughs) wow yeah see okay so how much of that do do students really need to learn if they want to be visual designers at an interactive design studio um i think you've gone the extra mile so what, what what do you perceive as the happy medium for a student to, you know, to get an entry level position. I just say so I definitely think it varies, you know, on the mm-hmm. side of, size of the agencies size yeah. of the agency and like what they're doing. Um, my first job out of college, I worked at an email service provider called ListTrack and all of their designers had to learn how to code because we were building and coding emails, which is 1999 uh, development standards. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. <laughs> But then, like, you know, then I worked at a startup where there was, you know, everyone everyone was wearing different hats. And now I'm at a really tiny agency again where there's 12 of us. So, you know, the more skills you have, the better off you are. But if you're going somewhere larger, you know, you might not need that code skill, like that code skill at all. And personally, I think that, like, any any designer that wants to be designing websites, 
should maybe have like that basis, you know, mm-hmm. be able to understand how to build like a basic web page, even if it's not, you know, even if they don't want to be a developer, but just understanding like how a web page comes together and, you know, um, you know, how responsive design works, things like that, because those kinds of things make talking to developers a lot easier and helps you like understand their frustrations and they can, you know, and then that's how you also learn how to educate um, developers as well, because sometimes developers are like, I don't know why you're complaining about this line. This makes no sense. And, you know, trying to explain that frustration to one another, it helps to be able to educate yourself and the other party to make things a lot easier in the end. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you need to be able to, you, you, you don't have to speak the lang- the same language fluently, but you better be able to at least get across the basic ideas. Exactly. And, you know, I think everyone should at least, you know, learn, try to learn how to code a little bit. I mean, you'll either figure out that you like it or you hate it. I mean, I don't know a lot of people who are in between. (laughs) I'm sure there are people who are very in between, but most people I know either hate it or they love it. That's another observation I never thought about. But yeah, it's there's never a there's very, very few gray area where they just are like, eh, I could take it or leave it. It's either they get into it or they're just like, oh, I can't wait for this class to be over. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, I see a lot of that with students when they come to the portfolio reviews and they're like, yeah, I tried coding this for this class and I hated it and I never want to do it again. And I'm like, yeah, but you got that experience. And, you know, you have that foundation and not every school is teaching development or teaching any kind of that so you have that like one even if you hated it like you still have that step up where you're like i understand how a basic web page works all right so i let me add another question along the same line so i noticed that you have experience working with sas grunt Mm -hmm. and other development tools so did you learn those in school or was that on the job um so a little bit of both so i learned um When I was a senior in college, I interned at Innovate, and they are a tiny um, design agency in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was interning there, I was starting to get more and more into development, and I was talking to their developer the one day, and he was like, yeah, like, so I write in SAS, and I do this, and I do this. And I said to my, the creative director, and I was like, I want to learn that. Like, I want to figure this stuff out, and like, for a week, like we sat there and he showed me like how he coats and like that's how I learned SAS from sitting down with him. He explained to me how he set up his files. He, he explained to me like why he was doing what he was doing. He walked me through, um, you know, setting up Grunt and stuff like that. But then after I graduated and I went to list track, I didn't really touch that stuff for a while. Um, and then I got the job at Pledget, which was a startup. And we had, it's a technology startup, so we had a Mm -hmm. development stack that I had to learn how to use, and I had to learn how to install it all and deploy it all, and um, when it broke, how to fix it, (laughs) and why Terminal was freaking out half the time. So, I mean, like, school didn't teach me those things, but internships did, which I kind of count as school. And then, you know, the real-world experience came from having a lead front-end developer who took the time to be like, all right, so this is how we're writing it, and this is how we're doing it, and this is what we're using. And so now that I'm at the infantry, like I still write in SAS, but I don't use Grunt as much because it's just me, and I'm just building WordPress sites. But I can, I'm trying to find a way to implement it back in in the future just because I think it's really awesome. <laughs> I like it, but there's – because I've used it, and I, I've mm-hmm. tried it, and I've built a couple sites you know, using that to run things. And, yeah, you – you have to really, it's not just for like the casual, like for as a designer. I mean, as mm-hmm. most of the websites that I design, I'm either doing it just for personal use. Yeah. Or I'm doing it for like a lot of in-class demos. Yeah. I think Grunt is one of those things that like you really need tasks to be running. Like, yes. so when I was at Pledget, like we were using Grunt um, to de- to put our local server up. So when I was developing locally, like that put my server live mm-hmm. and... Um, we also like we also used it to compile all my SAS and lint my SAS and minify the SAS, um, and then to compile all the JavaScript and minify the JavaScript. So like there were specific 
processes and we had a huge development process there because it was three of us working on these projects and um, there were different like facets that each of us were working on like it was essentially a web application that was built on JavaScript um, and then you know now at the infantry that I'm just building sites on WordPress not just building websites on WordPress but uh, you know I'm building on WordPress I haven't really had a need for grunt just yet but I could maybe see it happening with like a larger site at some point like I'm fine with just compiling my SAS through terminal the less things the better <laughs> yeah and, and so how but how important okay so on the spectrum of should designers code you definitely fall in the camp they should at least experience it but yeah how... I think I think they should at least experience and it you know kind of figure out how they feel about it but at the yeah. same time like if you don't enjoy coding and you're not very good at it, you probably should not be coding because like yeah. personally, one of my least favorite things is going through bad code. Like yeah. there are very, like it's it's like taking a Photoshop document that five people have worked on and nobody knows about layer groups. It's just a nightmare and it's going to take way more time than anybody wants to put into it. <laughs> yeah. So but okay, so do you think like uh, I'll even I'll throw it out there. I'll use my classroom as an example. So for a couple of semesters, mm -hmm. you know, we have one class within the in the program that we teach HTML and, and CSS. And I actually tried for a couple of semesters teaching them also to use SAS and GitHub in version control. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. And it was great because it was all foreign to them. So it wasn't like it was any more difficult than just introducing pure CSS. Mm -hmm. It looks the same. Yeah. But on the same, but on the back end, it was just too much to learn. Yeah. Because I think, you, yeah, I so think what do you for think me, about that? so when people ask me about learning about SAS, because I mean, so this is going to sound so nerdy, but like all of my best friends are designers or developers. And I know a lot of designers and developers through you know, the, the local Lancaster tech scene and AIGA and stuff like that. And so when people ask me about, um, you know, getting involved in SAS and learning how, you know, how to start writing in SAS or less, like I always advise them to have a really solid understanding of CSS. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just kind of wasting your time. Like if you're going to be using SAS, like, you know, you should be using it because it, like be able to use the shorthand properties behind it and really be able to use SAS to the potential like of what it is. So when I'm writing with SAS, I'm usually using Bourbon um, okay. as my framework because I like all the mix-ins that it has. But even if I'm just writing SAS without a framework, like being able to use things like extends and mix-ins and, you know, defining my colors and just different things like that to make that writing faster. I've had friends like try to jump right into SAS without knowing that much CSS and they're just like, this is too complicated and I can't do it. And I'm like, just go back to CSS, start there. And then once you're ready, we're going to move you over to SAS. But things like GitHub, like I think that's so important to learn right away because I didn't get involved with GitHub until I think my job at Pledge It. And mm -hmm. at first I was like, I, I don't get this. What is this? Why? How do I go backwards? What do you like? It was so confusing, and I had so many merge conflicts all the time. Uh, it was a learning experience. But if you can learn, I mean, if you can use version control, even at the very beginning, like, you are going to be so, you're going to do great. But at the same time, I'm going to go back on that a little bit and say, there is a learning experience when you code something, break something, try to fix it, and then break it even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's... The problem that I came to is that every I'm teaching. So when you teach, when I was doing SAS, GitHub, mm -hmm. HTML, CSS, all in one semester, all from the beginning, it, it just it was too much, and nobody was remembering anything. Yeah. So I this semester I've I've dropped the SAS and the GitHub and went back to just straight up html and, and css and yeah and i mean even html and css like that can take a little while to just even have a foundation and i mean i yes I, especially like now as i'm becoming more more immersed in uh javascript i like forgot what it was like to not be able to write something off the top of my head and be like oh i can write this out no big deal and then with javascript i'm constantly looking things up and i'm like oh my gosh am i ever gonna get good at this <laughs> 
<laughs> and it takes a while and and I and I heart I show them how to use somebody else's JavaScript plugin. That's I mean and that leave just it at being that. able to do that alone is huge. I know so many people who like try to do that and can't do it. And just like being able to, you know, just pull a JavaScript plugin off the internet, figure out where yes. to put it, figure out how to use it, like that's a great first step because eventually you're gonna be able to look at that plugin and be like Oh, I know what this is doing. It's telling this to do this on that, and you know, it's all it's all stepping stones. Um, so just I mean, you know, uh, another reason that I was excited to have you on as a guest is that you recently graduated from Miller's Millersville University, mm-hmm. which does focus on interactive design. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, one of the few places. So, how do you think this helped you enter the field compared to peers? who didn't have the same interactive training or maybe like a print only um, experience? I mean, for me, I think it really helped a lot. I, I, from the very beginning, I wasn't a huge fan of print design because I just mm-hmm. really don't like printers. Um, and every time I would try to print things, they usually never printed right. And that would just make me really angry. Uh, and then I started getting into like web design and I was like, I love this. I can do so much with it. Um, and there are schools like in my area that, you know, don't do web or interactive design. So Millersville having that, you know, that web interactive piece was just really, really big because it, it gives you a really big foundation to start off of as you're, you know, trying to figure out what it is that you want to do when you graduate. Like I have a friend right now, she works over at, um, Rodell, which Mm -hmm. does like women's health and men's health. And she helps them put together like the e-versions of their magazines. And that was something that like the interactive part of our program taught her. Like we had a class that was dedicated to like ebooks and how you create the ebooks and things like that. And, um, you know, she completely fell in love with that class. And then like when she graduated, she happened to find this job where it was essentially an interactive production artist where she helps them take the print magazine and then, create the digital magazine and then create the interactions and all those like secret special extra features that you get when you buy it on your iPad instead of at the newsstand. And like that thing alone, like if she hadn't gone to Millersville, she probably would have never learned that because, you know, that's something that our interactive program brings to the table. And then, you know, it also brings to the table user experience and, you know, how to get involved in user experience and what is user experience and, you know, that helps some students go into the user experience realm of things and they're like, I love this. I want to be doing, you know, wireframes and persona and user reports and things like that. And, you know, some schools don't don't do that. So it's like while Miller Soul doesn't get too deep into any of those, it mm-hmm. gives you a wide selection of things to kind of get your feet, you know, try get your feet into and kind of like mess around with for a little bit just to kind of figure out where your passion within design really is. Okay. Um, to follow up on that, you, so you mentioned that you um, do wireframing and the, the user personas. Um, I don't remember exact term you used, but uh, user reports, I think you said. Yeah. Uh, so I struggle with this in that when I, okay, Let's walk in. You know, I've been doing some exercises to teach them HTML and CSS. And then when it comes time to to build your first website, it's like, okay, build your first website. Um, but they haven't had that training yet of wireframing. They haven't had that um, training yet of designing the interaction. They haven't, you know, like, you know, done the the, the user report. So mm-hmm. how hard is it for, I mean, don't you need that whole entire experience to be able to fully like get why you're designing for the web or you end up just, you might as well just be like, um, I don't know. I mean, do you see where um, I'm going with this? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I'm kind of back and forth on it. So like now as like a professional in the, I, I use the term professional loosely, yeah. but I mean, you know, as somebody who's in industry and doing this now for a living, I definitely see the importance of it. And I can't imagine designing a website without having wireframes and a site map. I would be so lost. But I think as a student, like, so when I was a student, 
which wasn't that long ago, um, you know, I learned how to build, a, you know, I had a design, I built a website and we didn't do any user experience at first. And then it was like, after we built a website or two, it was like, all right, now we're going to introduce this whole thing called user experience. And it was just kind of like, what? <laughs> and then like that gives a whole nother level of purpose to mm -hmm. your designing because you're like, wow, like I have to start to consider like this, that, the other thing, mobile, tablet, you know, um, different languages, um, how big an area needs to be on mobile for like touch the workout, like things like that. And I'm kind of glad I learned it backwards because after I got that, you know, immersion into web design and web development, we took a step back and we saw user experience and it's like, all right, this isn't as overwhelming as I thought. And I think we had one project where it was like, you know, we designed a website or we, I think we had to redesign a website, um, mm -hmm. like a local website or something. And we built it and then we kind of took a step back and we looked at it and we started talking about user experience. So then we redesigned the website again to like think about user experience and think about user needs. And we came up with like personas and we came up with, um, you know, like a wireframe and we did some site architecture and things like that. But like, you know, kind of going backwards and then going forward again, like that really stuck with me because then I was like, all right, well now I have like a bigger understanding of like why I'm doing this and what the purpose for, you know, my placement of this is or my placement of that. Cause before it's just kind of like, well, you know, it looked nice there. And after you start to consider user experience, you're like, okay, well, I put this here so that way the user can, you know, access it. Or I put this there so that way the user, you know, goes to this and then goes to that. And I think if we had done it the other way around, it might have been a little overwhelming. Yeah. No. <laughs> as backward as that sounds, like, I don't, it's, it's tough when, like, when people are such, such beginners and, like, so new to all of it, because there is just so much and there's just constantly more and more and more and it's like trying to find that beginning spot the struggle <laughs> no it, it really is um so when you were describing that process like kind of like taking one step forward two steps back and then to to get where you were going did that happen over the course of like one semester in a class or is that like the course of like two semesters or three semesters where classes sequentially built off of each other to be able to do that um, so it was a little bit of both, actually. Okay. So, I mean, like, we would have one class where um, we would build a website and learn, like, the basic of, basics of HTML and CSS. And if you wanted to, you could take, like, a user experience class after that. But at the end of, like, that first class where you're learning HTML, like, the last few weeks, you would kind of start to get into, like, um, web design and things, or start to get into user experience and things like that. Um, and then if you did, you know, decide to move on and do that next class, that's where you would then take that site that you had already designed mm -hmm. and kind of like rework it because, you know, those things take time. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, as an educator, that's the part of the problem that educators face is that, um, you know, we we build curriculum by like, oh, we need to teach web design. So we just add a class. We need to teach. Yeah. Every time we need to add some like new skills, we just add a class, but mm -hmm. we don't leave that ability for classes to build off of each other. I know like right, I think it was like right before my sophomore year or something yeah. at Millersville, we ended up restructuring all of our classes. Mm. Um, and they actually, they actually just got a, you can now get, I think, I think it's a bachelor's of design. Okay. Bachelor, something along those lines. And it's like one of the first ones in Pennsylvania, like one of the first schools in Pennsylvania doing this. And it's like AIGA approved or something like that. And like, instead of getting a bachelor's of art in design, you get like, I don't know if it's a bachelor's of design, but it's like something along those lines. And it, and like they approved it right after I graduated. And I was mm -hmm. like, can I come back and do that? Like, I want that degree. <laughs> like, I like my bachelor's of arts and all, but like, I want that degree. <laughs> I, I think you've done well. I think they, I think they probably got you what you needed <laughs> this is true i mean and they also got quite a uh quite a bit of money from me so yeah. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> most universities do <laughs> most universities do but i it sounds like to me just from like if if 
just from listening to your skill sets, they already had it kind of in place. They were just like shifting the names around what they mm-hmm. already had. Yeah. And then, I mean, then they started to be like, all right, you have to, t- you know, here's your prereq for this. And then you could kind of like choose your own path. So it was mm-hmm. like, you know, if you got into the web design class and that was kind of like a broad overview of everything and then you really liked user experience, you could go into that way. Or if you really liked, you know, just web design, you can go in the web design path. And like with the way Millersville is a liberal arts school, so like mm-hmm. there are so many gen ends you have to take along with yeah. your design classes. So it's hard to like really focus as much as um, the educators would want to like on some of these design yeah. things because you just can't take as many classes as you would like. <laughs> but no, I mean, that no. creates an interest where you know then students go and get an internship and they learn more, or like you know they start to learn it on their own and they do side projects and. You know, all those kinds of things. Well, that's, I mean, that's good that you kind of, you, you put the, the responsibility on the students to kind of go get that extra learning. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important because I mean, that becomes such a lifelong skill being able to, you know, go and, you know, learn the next step and constantly stay on top of what's changing and what's new and. I mean, design and I mean, design's always changing. And that's not even including development. Like, development's even crazier. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. So, I mean, even the best school can't fully prepare you to enter the field. Oh, so, my gosh, not at all. <laughs> yeah, so, what are some of the things that you weren't prepared for, but you felt like they should have kind of included in the school experience? Um, so, I'm, a, I'm like a weird not exception to this, but I'm like a weird, I don't know. So I started, I went to a Votech school in, in uh, high school where mm-hmm. I did commercial art and I kind of got like my first taste of graphic design and a little bit of web development. And then I went to art school for six months and then I transferred to Millersville, which is where I eventually graduated from. And when I transferred to Millersville, I actually transferred into like higher classes. Yeah. Um, so I ended up taking like senior level classes as a sophomore and then fulfilled the rest of my credits through things like independent studies and internships. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's really hard for me to like answer that because yep. like I did like I did five internships before I graduated college because I just wanted to know more and I wanted to like you know get involved in just everything and I kind of counted my internships as things I learned in school but then you know, talking to my friends who maybe like didn't have this internship I had or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Like I started to pick up on things that like I was le- I was like, wow, if I didn't have an internship, like I wouldn't have learned how to compress JPEGs properly or how to use version control or I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, maybe like even research like development problems, mm-hmm. like a good way, like a good productive way of doing that. Um, or even just, even like things just like, at one of my internships, um, it was a little more print based and I learned how to um, do like a pre-print checklist. I'm blanking on what that's actually called because I don't really do it anymore. Um, pre-flight, I did yep. a pre-flight checklist. Yep. And that was something I hadn't learned in school. And I remember when they told me, they were like, yeah, we need you to pre-flight this. And I went, you want me to what? And they were like, "Yeah, we need a pre We need to do a pre-flight." And I'm like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> or even things just like font licensing. Like I remember when I was at one of my internships, and we were talking about like the fonts or something that this client needed, and the client was throwing a fit because they couldn't have it, and like just you know, kind of understanding font licensing and how important that is, or like stock photos and how you can't just grab something off Google, like. <laughs> There's super, super basic things that, like, sometimes aren't maybe as emphasized as much as they could be. And so then, you know, entry-level designers get into these positions where maybe they don't have someone looking over their sol- shoulder and they're, like, making mistakes. But, I mean, it's it's all learning process at the same time. I mean, it's it's impossible to sit there and, like, learn every single thing that you would need to learn before you graduate. So that's why I'm, like... I am a huge fan of internships. Like mm-hmm. every student I talk to, I'm like, do at least one, if not like three. Do as many as you can because you will learn so much 
even if you don't get any work out of it, like just learning to work with other people and like how they work and project management and, you know, understanding the different roles within an agency or an in-house team, like all of that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just so important. And it's just such a learning experience. Like even, even if you do an internship or five, like when you go into your first job, like you're still kind of like, wow, I didn't know about this. <laughs> well, you know, that kind of leads me into the next question. So, um, I'm a, I would assume designing a scripted project for a professor in the classroom is radically different than working with a team at a digital agency. Definitely. You, just, you said it definitely <laughs> was. So um, can you describe your working process now compared to what it was in school when you, you start a new project? Yeah, um, definitely. Okay. So, I mean, everywhere I've worked, it's been a little bit different. Yeah. Um, process wise and so I'm just gonna go off of what we do at the infantry here but um so we're a brand experience studio meaning that we work with a lot of our brands from the very beginning you know like they come to us with a rebrand they want to be rebranded or they want the you know start fresh like they have a brand new name or whatever mm-hmm. um so I'm really lucky in the sense that like if we do do the branding it's amazing branding because our brand designers are incredible so I have all of my brand assets right away. And we also have like, you know, interviews with clients. And um, we also have, you know, kind of like their expectations. So like my director will sit down with them and like do a little bit of an interview, kind of figure out what their needs are, figure out what they want, figure out what they like about their current site, what they hate about it, what they, you know, um, if they want to lose something, if they want to keep something, things like that. And then you know, we sit down and we talk about it, him and I and our project manager. Um, and then we start to do uh, some site maps. So we do a site map and then we send it to the client and say, hey, does this look good? But like our site maps are a little more in depth where we have, um, we'll have like an overview and then we'll have a second page where it's kind of like, this is what's on this page. This is what's on this page. So that way, like, you know, you, you might have an about page, but if you have programs within your about page, you can say like, this is an about landing page. And then this is about this program, this is about this program, this is about that program. Um, and then once that's approved, we then move on to wireframes and we'll wireframe out most, if not all of the pages. Mm-hmm. So if some of the pages are gonna end up being essentially templated off of another page, we only do one. Um, but you know, we wireframe out as many as we can, we show those to the client. Um, sometimes we do style tiles just to kind of get an idea of like what direction they want to go in if we didn't do branding for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into the design and, you know, we we design everything out. And like we have such an in-depth branding process and interviewing process with, with our clients that we're usually pretty close when it comes to the design. Um, I mean, I've only been there for two and a half months now, but so far every project I've seen come through, like the client is like, this is pretty spot on. Like, this is great. We love it. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Um, you know, so we do that. And then we sit down with the client and we're like, hey, like, this is the content we need. This is the photography we need. Sometimes we'll go and art direct the photo shoot. Because um, a lot of our clients are local. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the luxury of being able to, you know, go to them or them come to us or, you know, go on location with them. That way we can be sure, you know, we're really getting what we want um, and what they want. Um, And then, you know, from there we get to the development process. And I work really closely with my uh, director, Derek. If he designed it, you know, like him and I sit down, we go over the different pages. We talk about how is this going to work? How is that going to work? Even in the design process, like Derek's constantly asking me, he's like, can we do this? Is this going to be too hard? Is this like you know, what's the best way of doing this? Like, what do you think about this? Um, and then if I designed it, I mean, that's even easier because I I already know how that's going to go. But, um, I mean, there's just so much communication all the time. So that way, like, no one's really in the dark and we're never really guessing on things. And our cl- I think our clients like that because it really makes them feel like they're a part of it without being, like, too a part of it (laughs) yeah so then um you know after we build out the site for a while we give we have a like a beta site for them to look at we do an internal review 
make sure things are working. Um, and then we give them a beta site and we say, hey, like, you know, check this out. Tell us what you think. Like, does anything need to be changed? Um, and then we kind of move from there. We've had instances where, you know, there are large changes and, you know, obviously change orders come from that. But, um, you know, as long as everything's good, we launch it and then we're good to go. <laughs> All right. So I don't know any educator who's teaching that process from start to finish. <laughs> I mean, and that I don't. I mean, so, that's so, definitely not yeah. something I think that would be. So what of that, though, <laughs> would have been good to kind of pass off into the classroom or at least pay more? At, even if you're not doing it, at least saying, hey, this is a process that we are bypassing. Mm -hmm. But this would have been a step. Um, I think one of the most important things is like learning how to talk to a client and, mm -hmm. you know, really really figuring out what a client wants and what a client, you know, you know, what their expectations are, um, you know, learning how to communicate those things with them. Yeah. Because, I mean, clients, some clients are very literal, you know, you can have a placeholder in there and they're not going to, they're not going to realize that they're going to, and they're not going to be able to get past that. Um, and then there's other clients who have like, you know, the craziest imagination ever. And that's great. Um, but I think like, you know, learning how to communicate, communicate with clients, like what are good questions to ask a client? What are bad questions to ask a client? You know, what, what kind of things should you be expecting from your clients? And then like learning how to do research off of that. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, something that's really big to me because I am a web designer and a web developer and, you know, I enjoy user experiences. I always ask clients or like, I try to ask clients, you know, who are your users? Who are you trying to reach? And then like that really guides a lot of what I do. Like if I know that they have like an older, you know, user group, like I'm going to keep that in mind. Not that, not that, you know, their audience isn't, you know, not that they don't have younger people in their audience as well, but you know, being able to say, okay, well, like I have, I like, I understand you as a client, like communication, like you can teach someone the design all day long, but like, if you can't communicate right with a client, like you're not going to get paid yeah. <laughs> and just learning just, you know, even if like you're practicing with other students, like, you know, like sitting down and, you know, doing like a mock client communication yeah. thing or whatever, or like, um, Millersville did this really awesome program where we brought in like nonprofits and yeah. designed for them. And that was one of the ways where I learned how to like, you know, talk to my client and set boundaries with my client and, um, you know, kind of get some expectations going with them. And like that, obviously, like that radically changes once you're like in an agency and you have mm -hmm. other people talking to clients and you're not always in all the meetings. But, you know, just having a foundation of, you know, how to talk to them and how to communicate right and how to get ideas across. Yeah, that just gave me an. Actually, we're we're getting close to being out of time too. But um, that <laughs> that 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 gave me an idea because um, I've seen uh, from from Mike Montero from just about anybody and everybody. There's always saying like you know, students don't know how to work with clients. Students don't know how to work with clients. I think I'm actually going to throw it back on the industry and say you're right. The students don't know how to handle clients. Let us come to your office as a class when you're in a client meeting. And let us observe. Yeah. And like, let us, you know, and like, tell us about it. Because yep. one of those things like with clients is that like, you don't learn that until you really start doing it. And, yes. you know, and you learn by process. And like, hopefully you have like a senior designer or a director that you can, like, you can sit in on meetings as, as an intern. Like, I sat in on so many meetings and like, I didn't say a word, but yep. I learned so much about like, how to talk to them and how to answer their questions. And, you know, students don't know how to talk to clients, but they need to learn it. And, you know, eventually they do. But it's just patience. <laughs> yeah. And there, there needs to be a better model for, for learning that. Yeah, All right. yeah. All right. So um, one more question just before mm -hmm. I let you go. And, and I'm asking you this one, not because it's not, it's not a profound question. Um, <laughs> it's just something that I've been bouncing around in my head. And that's that the daily UI project that you're doing on Dribble. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I see that. I mean, so it's been going around and, and a lot of people are doing that. And I'm just I'm wondering to myself, like, how useful would that be as a classroom project 
where yeah. for the semester you're doing one UI element a week or one year, you know, one I'd, one a day, whatever the metrics, yeah. but how useful do you think that would be? Um, so I'm definitely like 25 days behind right now. <laughs> yeah, but you also have a job. You're a president of the AIGA. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just Central I'm PA. just a little involved in uh, my community. But I mean, personally, I I love it because, you know, it has me designing things that I might not be doing every day or mm -hmm. things that I was like when I was at Pledge I was doing a little bit of like app interface. So that was really neat. And I'm like I'm pushing myself to do different design styles than what I usually do. So okay. For a bunch of them, I was following Google's material design because I never really had to, you know, design that way. And I just thought it would be neat to try it out. But I think that'd be awesome for students. I've encouraged a few um, students I know to, like, give it a try. I'm like, even if you do, like, one every two days or, you know, one, one a week, like, I try to give myself, you know, maybe like two or three hours to get one done mm -hmm. and then I'm done with it. And sometimes I'll do a rebound of it on Dribbble, but... yeah. I try to just be like one and done and just like, you know, and it kind of encourages like fast thinking and mm -hmm. like fast sketching and, you know, just production style art. But I think it'd be awesome for students because I mean, how often like do you have a project where it's like, hey, you need to design user settings, mm -hmm. you know, or you need to design a music player. I think that one was actually like one of my favorites. Yeah. Um. You know, it's just things that like you you're not used to designing, and that I think that really helps you grow as a designer and think differently about things. And hey, it pulls in a whole level of uh, user experience and interface, and that's exciting. <laughs> all right, well, good. I'm I'm just I like I said, it was just personal curiosity. You should totally tell all of your students to do it. <laughs> oh, I, I tell them to do it, but that doesn't mean they do it. I true, would have to true. outright make it a project for a class. Yeah, I mean. They're going to have 100 days of it, so you're going to have quite a few uh, topics to pick from. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Brie, before I let you go, is there anything that you're you're working on that you would like to share or something you want to promote personally? Hmm. Let me think. I actually uh, I don't have anything to promote off the top of my head. My chapter just finished our year of programming yesterday. We had Timothy nice. Goodman come talk over at Pennsylvania College of Art and Design. That was pretty nifty. So when does the new see, when does the new um, programming year start up for you? Um, it'll be in the beginning of January, probably. Okay. Um, we're starting to like get our programming figured out and finalized. Um, it was a really really busy year for us, but good. Just being able to like end it yesterday on such a good note was really awesome. But um, I guess like the only other thing I can really think of is just telling students just to get super involved in everything, like even if it's going to meetups. Or, hey, you know, AIGA, mm -hmm. there's chapters everywhere. <laughs> yes, there is. I'm the education director for ours in Baltimore. Perfect. <laughs> so I drink the Kool-Aid. Yes. Yeah. It's Once you get involved, it's really hard to not be super biased and want to get everybody else involved. I have done that. <laughs> well, you know, just you're, you've, you are close enough to being a student that what was the benefit of you being involved in AIGA or Girl Develop It or any of the other things that you did as a student? Networking. Like okay. networking was so big for me. I mean, that's how I got so many of my internships and so many of my jobs. Like the job I have now, um, I had met the director at a portfolio review when I was a student and he remembered me and he was like, hey, like we're looking for a front end developer. Do you like maybe want to come interview? And like, you know, it, it, it put me in a position to be like, wow, I have like a reputation before I even walk in the door. And like being able to do that as somebody so early in my career right now is just mind blowing and humbling at the same time. It's just kind of like, wow, like I'm doing things that speak for itself now. <laughs> well, you have the skills. Well, thank you. <laughs> so the the rest just comes. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things is just like networking and going out there and just talking to people. I mean, even if you're, you know, even if you're not looking for a job, like just getting to know people. I mean, I think there's like a whole like miss, missed thing with like the current generation. And like I'm part of this generation where like we don't have conversations and talk to people and do meaningful things. And so just even like going to a happy hour at a bar and like learning about what somebody does or talking to somebody or, you know, creating connections one way or another. I mean, 
even if it doesn't pay off for you, it might pay off for one of your friends or you might learn something new or, I mean, well, there's just so many what ifs. Yeah, well, <laughs> one last thing, but the, the one of the problems with that is so much of that is available online. I mean, you can, this you don't have true, to yeah. go to a Ted talk to see a Ted talk. You can just go online <laughs> to see the Ted talk. So yeah. it's those ancillary things. So before you would go, you would learn something and you would network. Yeah, so now, but I mean, you also you also get a sense of community that yes. you, know, you might not get online, and that's something that you know I'm really really big on with AIGA. And you know, when people come out to events and they're like, "Well, why should I become a member?" I'm like, "Because you're getting a whole community. Like, you come out to something and you meet these people, and you're like, and you remember them, or they remember you, yeah. and you get a whole you know you get a whole community. And, and that's <laughs> very invisible and mm-hmm. very abstract. So that's why the students don't see it until they get into it. Then they yeah. see the community that comes from it. It's so but, hard to explain and yep. it's so hard to like convince somebody until you're like, just just go and do it and find out for yourself. And then it's just like, wow, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that's all we have time for today on episode 16 of Design EDU Today. Um, I want to thank today's guest, Bree Picari of the infantry for being so generous with her time i yeah, want to definitely. thank yeah, <laughs> thank you so much and i want to thank the audience for listening and i want to thank the design edu today hosting sponsor DigitalOcean and cdn sponsor fastly for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible finally i want to thank the aiga and the iaga design educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series if you want to discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit us on the web at designedu.today. You can follow us on Twitter at designedu today, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes store. Thank you for listening to Design EDU Today. <laughs>